0: Why, hello there, priests. You have found the hardest book review podcast there is, where we digest life-changing books. We shit out greatness, and we change our lives one book at a time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. And here we go. Welcome back. This is Troy Hollings with the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. This is episode two of To Ride, Shoot Straight, and Speak the Truth by the man of men, Colonel Jeff Cooper. On the first episode, we introduced him, we just bowed down, we said prayers, he taught us about why the president is so fucked up, and then he just learned us up on the combat mindset. But now we're going to go deeper, a little bit more tactically, elements of of survival tactics. The world is going to hell. Suddenly, we find previously sober people railing against even the depiction or discussion of violence as repulsive in and of itself, which is about as sensible as deploring surgery. Nobody wants to get cut open, but if it becomes necessary as the only alternative to something worse, then we want it done as efficiently and quickly as possible. So he's saying all these hippy, dippy bitches don't even want to talk about violence. But he's saying, that's like not wanting to talk about surgery. Like, oh, yuck. Oh, that guy's knee. Oh, ew. Get that that fucking knee picture away from me. But he's like, deal with it, fucker. This is the real world. You know, if your knee was fucked up, you'd want to make sure that that guy who's looking at knee pictures, he's the one who does it. You know, not the person who's like, oh, that's gross. So we got to be effective. Let us. As Socrates was wont to say, define our terms. Strategy is the art of the general. This is the art of making use of an army to bring about victory over one's enemy. So highest level strategy is like, what are the big strategic pillars of what we're trying to do? That's the general. Tactics, by contrast, derives from the word for touch and thus implies actually touch, touching one's foe in combat so tactics are like what are the actual things we're doing so like in an mma fight you know the strategy might be i'm going to take him down but the tactic is i'm going to take him down with a double leg takedown whatever Uh, colonel cooper gives an insane fucking example he says "Uh, i had a professor of military tactics who used to say arranging a date sending flowers buying the lady a nice meal ostentatiously appreciating her catalog of charms and finally parking comfortably overlooking the moonlit bay these were all strategy from that point it was a matter of tactics i never thought i'd read a book that quoted socrates and alluded to hand jobs on the same fucking page colonel cooper you're a visionary the individual of course is concerned with tactics Because the strategic situation has been forced on him. Whatever a man fights with, axe, machine gun, spaceship, he must be good with it. He must strive to not just be good, but outstanding. If men who can use their weapons expertly are fully aware of discipline, they can accomplish a great deal. If, in addition, they are brave, undaunted by hardship, and convinced that they are physically, intellectually, and morally better than their enemies they can walk wonders the principle of tactics is speed if fighting ever becomes necessary delays of even split seconds can be disastrous the best fight is that which is over before the loser even realizes it has begun the goal of the tactician is to ensure that the fight when and where joined is never fair so i have on my second monitor because i'm normal uh, i have a colonel cooper his fucking rugged face and, and it says if you find yourself in a fair fight your tactics suck that's what he's saying immediately thereafter he can engage an enemy reduced in strength by the amount he has just destroyed this is called defeat in detail and so what he's saying is um like the example of this is let's say it's two mma fighters okay one fakes a punch and does a spinning back fist and he, he rocks the other one. So the other one's like, get a little stumbly legs, okay? Well, now you, you immediately engage the other fighter who's reduced in strength and you hit him again. Now he goes down, but you know, you don't let him recover. Before he has a chance to recover, you hit him again. Okay, now you're in mount and you either ground and pound or you, you submit him. So he's saying that, like you gotta be ready, you gotta be fast, you gotta start chipping away, you gotta go to that critical point, as Musashi was known to say. Um, it's not easy your foe wants to live as much as you do and while he may be stupid you better not count on it as you try to confound him he will be trying to confound you whatever you do decide do it quickly be smart be clever one rifleman if he is good can constitute a terrible problem for a dozen assailants, and a smoothly cooperating group of three or four such on familiar ground can hold off anything short of a human wave until fatigue overcomes it. If you're really serious about coping with doomsday, you will select your equipment carefully, work with it until you are an expert in its use, and study your local geography until you know it in the dark. Then. If the evil day really does arrive at last, you will remember the watchwords: initiate, surprise and speed. You'll have a better chance than most. And so once again, the organization's like kind of fucking insane here. Um, So he just throws in a chapter like this is important to discuss. So and I was going to skip this, but it's awesome. Uh, How to fortify your house. This one is notes on tactical residential architecture. Since most people respond to hypothetical peril with the assumption that it will not come to them, the first step in adjusting to our present social situation, a.k.a. kids these days won't even behead a criminal, is the hard, clear, unflinching understanding that it can indeed come to us personally. He's saying, you gotta accept that first. It is amazing to read of people who do not choose to believe this until after they had been victimized. They all knew... That burglary, robbery, assault were possible, but they took no precautions because they would not admit that they themselves could be victims. You know, you hear it all the time, but I just never thought it would happen to me. I posted this on Twitter and got about like seven likes. Um, I posted, over a long enough time scale, rare, low probability events become inevitable. Stay strapped. Having made this simple admission, aka shit can happen to me, you can never afterward be surprised and surprise is the single greatest element in tactics offensive or defensive so he's saying once you know that bad shit can actually happen to you you're driving to work you could get mugged you could get shot at you could get in a horrible accident once you know that the first hardest thing which is just don't be surprised that's taken off the table because you won't because you're ready defense of your person is your first concern And it is a very elaborate study to which we've given a great deal of professional attention over the years. But let us turn for a moment to the defense of your home. Defense of your home may probably be better stated as defense in your home. For saving life is the main concern. To build a house that cannot be broken into is to build a fort and it's impractical. But we can make certain arrangements to ensure that our homes are a good deal more secure when we are in them. And I think we should. Um, and he just laments that California's going to hell. Hey, it's still going to hell now, man. And he sees all of these people with expensive gates that any limber schoolboy can climb, dogs that look like puffs of whipped cream and people not even locking their doors. Evidently, the doctrine is that one covers up, keeps his head down and calls the police. Let us agree on one major point right here. The police cannot protect you in your home. This is a fucking quote right here. If goblins break in, you should call the police as soon as you get around to it in order to write out reports and clean up the mess. But the goblins are your problem. Bear that in mind. So he's saying, if fucking goblins, like if orcs break in your house, yeah, you'll want to let the police know eventually, but it's mostly like, hey... Hey officer, there's uh, there's eighteen dead orcs in my house. Can you come um uh, you come help me out? Point one When you are asleep, you are helpless. Few things can be more nightmarish than to open a drowsy eye to see a shadowy figure standing over you in the gloom. This need never happen. So he says get locking windows, but also strong doors, but you know, basically like no barrier is totally impenetrable. So like when I lived in the ghetto, okay, we had two doors, we locked them, um, but it was a fucking get them. And so, you know, I just had, I'd sleep up on the second story and I just, and I had my gun and I had a hallway and I had two dogs. And so like the dogs would sleep either downstairs or, you know, they'd go say hello if someone's trying to break in. So it's like, he's saying, you got to set up your system so that, um, you're ahead of it. If you are awake, armed and aware, you cannot be defeated by any predator, human or otherwise cannot be defeated. And what uh, what non-human predator is breaking into Colonel Cooper's fucking house? That's what I want to know. But uh, point one, don't be surprised. Point two, you must be able to see who is at the door without exposing yourself. The goal is when a visitor knocks on your door, he should be in effect surrounded by your house, aware that he is in view of the people inside from several angles. If he attempts something, he will be at such a tactical disadvantage, he will, he may well chicken out. So that's just basically saying like, you know, someone knocks on the door and like, let me in, you know, you don't just like immediately let them in to be nice. You're like, hello, how did you uh, make it out to my neck of the woods? Who are you? I will help you if you need it, but you sure you don't want to fucking rob me? Point three, any house which is properly designed must permit the entire perimeter to be visible from inside of it. So you got to be able to look out every window and see everything. So no one's hiding on your property. Apparently. Point four, like in-depth construction instructions if you're building your own prepper fucking compound with awesome ass design. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) uh, okay. that was my notes. Uh, So he gives us uh, like in-depth construction instructions for building your own prepper fucking compound with awesome ass diagrams. So read the book, little buddy. And uh, this seems a little crazy but this is you know this is the you have to be alive to keep playing concept that Taleb talks about and so like what Colonel Cooper's actually doing is he's removing all non-essential tail risk from his life so like the diagrams are you know how to set up your fucking house so you don't get ambushed which is insanity it seriously is but if you happen to have a house that's set up in a way that you can't get ambushed all those possible Monte Carlo simulations where you did get ambushed don't exist. So like, you know, getting a little bit more on board, Colonel Cooper. Point five. Ultimately, no house can fully do the job. We just need prospective intruders to one, make enough noise to alert the defense and two, be placed at a serious tactical advantage. And then he just, he's like, if you want further reading, read Army Field Manual Field fortifications like that's an actual tip for building your house which is so hilarious like imagine that you're asking your friend hey man you know i'm kind of thinking of building a new house you got any any recommendations you you know any good builders and and he's like he gets his his eyes light up he's like i know exactly what you need hold on let me get it you just hear like all this noise and then you, you you think He's going to give you a brochure for a general contractor or like some frou-frou shit that, that he saw on HGTV, but he comes back with field fortifications and non-ironically says, yep, this should take care of all your questions. And you're like, bro, I respect your fucking savagery, but no, okay. I'm, I, I was looking for like a general contractor, not the fucking army field fortifications manual, but A for Africa. A stranger at your door must be considered a possible target. Notice, he didn't even say threat. He said target until proven otherwise. Because because he's so logically consistent, he doesn't even let himself use the word fear. No, not fear. Much less the popular misused term paranoia. No, this is intelligent caution. In today's savage world, we need not be afraid, but we do need to be careful so that's how you defend the damn house okay that seems great i'm in and then uh i'm very dismissively uh cutting 40 pages uh that can be summarized i fucking love tanks okay boom he loves tanks he he briefly talks about nuclear war basically just saying like you're still gonna need to know how to shoot guns in nuclear war bitch Um, but now we get to a very important section he calls this section problem two the charge was murder the plea was self-defense as was eventually decided the deceased attacked the defendant with deadly intent because of which the defendant shot the deceased eight times with a 380 causing the deceased uneasiness cramps loss of morale destitute and eventually death so what he's basically saying is he's he's narrating a court case and so uh, the charge was murder because he shot this guy eight times but the plea was no self-defense and he just details this whole shit to say like this guy spent a year in jail and eventually it was determined okay oh, well, you're right self-defense uh, problem one is defending yourself problem two is explaining to the boys with the bracelets one is more important than two but only until it is solved at which point at which point two can become a bloody bore the sticky point in question was the large number of shots You're not supposed to keep on shooting the creep after he no longer is a threat to you. Eight shots. He must have been out of commission after the first couple, but you kept right on shooting him. That's such shocking socking. He said that shit. You murdered the bum. But Colonel Cooper basically breaks it down that, you know, like any idiot can fire eight shots in two seconds, well within the span of hot blood. Uh, It's no means establishing deliberation. Um,. All that shit to say, hey, you gotta solve problem one first, which is you gotta save your life. But problem two, legal troubles, is uh, it's a huge damn problem. And this always goes into a commercial for the United States Concealed Carry Organization. But welcome back. Uh, so that's why I'm a member of the United States Concealed Carry Organization. Okay, I don't want to spend a fucking year of my life in jail for righteously defending myself now I don't ever want it to happen you know I want to I want to take ballet classes I want to get massages I want to you know have cool outfits and jackets and shit but if it does I don't want to get locked in a cage for just defending myself so you call 911 you say hello 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 I was attacked in my home by two men I and my family is all right but please send the police and ambulance to my residence then you fucking hang up okay you do Then you call the USCCA crisis line and they hook you up with an attorney. When the police arrive, you say, Hey, sir, I was attacked. I feared for my life. There's his weapon. I will fully cooperate, but I do not plan on saying anything until I have an attorney present, then be prepared to get fucking arrested. I'm not kidding. This is what is, what's going to happen. But it's one of those, like in sales, we talk about go slow to go fast. So, you know, you spend a lot of time understanding their needs so that finally when you walk them down to the solution, you're like, is this it? They're like, it's exactly. And then you get them to fucking sign. You go slow to go fast. Okay, One day in jail with an ironclad legal case and the USCCA giving you a stipend is far better and paying for your attorney is far better than a year in jail. Anything you say can and will be used against you. So let's say you call 911 and you say, there was a guy in my house and I shot him. Okay. And then when the police come, the guy's actually on your porch. And then you know, the police is like, hey, I-, I thought you said he was in your house. And you're like, well, you know what I mean? No, he's on my porch. Like, so are you lying? If you're lying about this, what else do you be lying about? Are there any other weapons in the house? And then they search your house and they find a lot of guns because you're American, but they try to paint you as some domestic terrorist. You know, the worst day of your life now became the worst year of your life. So you got to solve problem one. But as soon as you solve problem one, bitch, you move on to problem two. And you need a mental trigger exactly like me not doing with the dumbass deer hunting loop, okay? So that was the continuation of the combat mindset. Some sprinkling in of survival tactics, how to fortify your house, legal trouble. What else is there? (laughs) Well, good thing you asked. Because the, the rest of this podcast is the is the role of the five and that's not five like fives mark ripeto that's five like the five guns that any man who is a man needs to own according to colonel cooper i'm not kidding okay the rifle the carbine the pistol the shotgun and the machine pistol in uh I'm totally going to hang with him on the pistol. I become less knowledgeable when we get to the rifle. Then I'm basically like a semi sentient sea slug when he covers the other three because, you know, he's doing the technique known as bitches be going crazy. And, you know, I also barely can read. So, you know, get ready for some good ass explanation of the pistol. Pretty good on the rifle. And then, like, barely anything on the other three. The pistol, the sidearm, is completely and conceptually a defensive weapon. It is a reactive device with which to stop a fight that someone else starts. It is unlike any other small arm in that it is worn rather than born. If you know that you're going to be in a fight, you will acquire something bigger and more powerful than a pistol. But if you do not know you're going to be in a fight, a pistol, in proper hands and guided by an alert brain, can accomplish miracles. Miracles! In short range, sudden actions which occur without warning. The advantages of the pistol, which it shares with nothing else, is readiness. It is there on your belt. You do not have to go fetch it. It's like why men can pee in the woods. They always have a tube. Women, they got to bring that little cup they pee in. The range of the pistol is short. It is normally used at conversational distances within which you can talk to your enemy. This range is important. Because the typical pistol engagement is brought on by conversational confrontation. If a bandit orders you to put your hands up or turn around, we all know what we need to do. And any man who is a man can't submit to that shit, he would say, or give him your wallet or lie down on the floor. You can draw and kill him before he has discovered that you are not going to do what he told you to do. You can thus work inside his response time, and that is the great virtue of the sidearm. You know, if someone's holding you up and you have a rifle in your trunk, you know, if you do a mad dash to your rifle, oh, fuck, like, they're on to you. But if you say, yes, hey, I'm just going to reach back and get my wallet, and you reach back and you shoot them with the pistol, you're ahead of their response curve. And remember, Colonel Cooper's, like, actually so black and white, and, uh, like, I almost can't believe it, but his rule is... Uh, in any physical confrontation where you could or might need to defend yourself, your default is 99.9% of them to defend yourself, even outnumbered and outgunned, because it would be better to die a man than live a coward. And also, probability says it's going to work out. Um, so, again, like we talked about in the principles of personal defense episode, like I'm not sure I 100% buy that, man. Like, what if that guy's just robbing the store? Like, you know, I can hide in the muscle milk section, but... Um hey, I, I feel like he's closer to right than me, so um any man who is a man must not submit to violence or threats. Okay, okay. Sam Colt was to handguns as Henry Ford was to personal ground transportation, and his developments of a powerful, accurate repeating sidearm was one of the half dozen achievements that civilized the world. Holy shit. For a time During the mid-1800s, the revolver became the ruler of close combat all over the world. Though less powerful than a musket, it was still powerful enough to stop an adversary with one good hit, and it was much handier. A soldier could carry two major caliber revolvers more easily than a musket. If he knew how, he could hit reliably from farther out, and he could keep on shooting and in, in our american civil war this flowering of the handgun was especially obvious and if pistols had not been so much more costly to construct we we well might have found that epic battles of regiments of pistoleros would have happened dude, imagine that dude if like if the north and south had just dealt with each other for 20 years longer or or, or whatever the whole civil war could have been like contractors pistols only jesus christ but the the repeating rifle put an end to that the pistol ceased to be a defensive weapon and became instead a confidence builder and it has stayed there ever since so he's just he's just dropping knowledge like this is like you you know you got that one friend who never shuts a fuck up and you ask him but he knows a lot he's actually cool and tells good stories and um, you ask him like hey man you know anything about pistols that's what's happening so another question was well how hard is it to shoot a pistol well shooting a pistol well enough to save one's life is about as hard as learning to ride a motorcycle well enough to be safe in traffic okay certainly not impossible but it does take concentration and time and effort a pistol to a duffer is a dangerous nuisance in highly skilled and that's probably like the worst thing Like, you know colonel cooper has a lot of swear words in his life but you know he reserves the word duffer for the just the drags of society so i pray in my life that i'm never a duffer because a pistol to a duffer is a dangerous nuisance but in highly skilled hands it is not only a confidence builder but it can be extremely efficient and now he, he goes into a bunch of shit that doesn't apply anymore about like what's the best pistol and again you know in his time a big fucking round was the best but we're at a point now where you know and maybe this is a little bit up for contention but i don't think so what we're you know a full size nine millimeter plus p self-defense ammo 17 plus one rounds um is just better than 12 big fucking 45s but um, I'm, I'm just reporting back, man. So we're skipping a lot of the recommendations. Um, buy just buy a nice-ass gun, nine millimeter probably. Okay, but none of the shit he says really applies. And I'm also taking the best parts of this because, like, you know, it's uh it's like trying to teach dance over over words. So a little bit of this. So I'm taking the I'm taking the principles here. But uh, again, okay, buy the damn book for the pictures, using the sights. Uh, let's hear, hear what he has to say about the principles of pistol sighting. Uh, while a lot of defensive action takes place at just outside arm's length, the majority of defensive shots are sighted or would be more effective if they were. So what he's what he's saying is there's that there's that whole convoluted question of you can go faster if you don't use the sights okay And so like Bill Jordan, when we read that uh, fucking whatever's no second place winners book, Ian uh, Jim Cirillo, and even Mike Glover, they say, you know, hey, you gotta just you gotta start start blasting, get get fucking shots out there, and then evolve through the shot process. Where like you know your first shot, you're just you know you just have pointed, you're just aligned, and then your second shot, you're aligned but you're like starting to find your sight. Your third shot, you're finding your sight colonel cooper is of the opinion nah bitch okay every even your first shot you find the site now i don't know what the calculus is i don't know what's right um i do imagine that it'd be really easy to panic and miss like seven times um you know and and be like oh i'm gonna evolve in the gun in the gunfight, and then you end up taking like three seconds to to take the shot whereas if you just drew and you just went slow and looked at the site it would be like one and a half um, but i'm just reporting back he says well almost all the time use the site this verification becomes so automatic it's almost unconscious these instructions apply to defensive shooting hitting a squirrel in the head is another matter but if you've developed a sound stroke you have little trouble with the slow target alignment used for the pot shot So I skipped some of this crap, but he talks about like the flash sight picture. So, you know, he's saying use the sights, but sometimes it's like verifying that your gun's in alignment. He's saying, but if you get really good at that, it's easy to just take that and go a little bit slower and then hit a squirrel in the head. But he makes no doubt about this. And he says, if there's one thing that is most vital about pistol craft, it is concentration on the front sight. When the bugle sounds the charge in your mind, you think front sight as your piece lines up. Don't think about your target, think about your front sight. Concentrate on it and focus on it. This is quite literally a matter of life or death. A pistol is primarily a defensive instrument for use in unexpected encounters with armed men at short ranges. It can, however, be used quite efficiently to put meat on the table. And we saw this, Jim Cirillo's wife, she killed seven deer with her pistol. What are we doing with our fucking lives? The same handiness that makes the handgun ideal for instantaneous defensive reaction suits it well for for the sort of fleeting target of opportunity that may be encountered by anyone doing ordinary chores around a farm. The rifle may well be out of reach when you spook a rabbit in your cabbages or a feral hog in your corn. So, All that to say, so he's talking about like, okay, front sight, we got it. Okay, but he's saying that that benefit of convenience of a pistol that, that works for defensive shooting, it also works for like, oh, fuck, that's a feral hog. And you just take out your pistol and start blasting. He would say, okay, we got two more parts about the pistol. The firing stroke, a.k.a. the draw. The handgun is a means of stopping violence initiated by another. It will rarely be out and ready, still less aimed in, when the need to fire becomes apparent. Most often, the decision to shoot will be taken where the pistol is holstered with the hands unready and well clear. So what he's saying is that, you know, with a, like with a rifle, you're aiming down the sight, and you're like, oh, hey, look, a deer. What he's saying with a pistol, especially from a self-defense perspective, you know, you're like, oh, fuck, I need my, I need my pistol. Thus, the movements of the shooter's body between the internal go signal and the discharge of the piece constitute what we have come to call the firing stroke. It may also be called the draw or the quick draw like Bill Jordan did. Whatever it is called, it is made up of a sequence of movements which must be carefully learned and just as carefully practiced. So what he's saying is it doesn't matter how awesome you are blasting bullseyes at the range because most self-defense situations happen more like you're in your car, You just got home, you don't want to go inside yet because your wife's going to make you clean, so you're scrolling through Instagram trying your hardest not to fucking click on the thoughts when, surprise, motherfucker, some guy yanks open your car door, grabs your hair, and cracks you two times in the fucking teeth with a tire iron. Go. The firing stroke is one fluid motion devoid of any unnecessary motion, but it should be considered by the novice as a series of distinct steps. Those steps are learned staccato by the numbers and then blended together smoothly. There's no need to be as fat to be fast at first. If you're smooth, you'll be fast. So he's just saying, you know, it, it needs to be not like you do driver's ed and you learn how to turn your car. Okay? And then you now have to do a fucking car race. No, you need 10 years of experience. So you've you've done every nuance of turning the wheel you know when you've been leaning to the left you know you've even practiced when you know you should have you should have cleaned off all the ice on your windshield and you didn't so you're like leaning really fucking weird and you're turning your hand really weird like all those fucking permutations of drawing your pistol you need to be ready so you can draw it seated standing you know moving one thing you know holding a bag in your hand um it's one fluid motion but it's practiced slow at first until you learn it and i'd say you know there's no difference between drawing a pistol and learning a kick in taekwondo you know it's it's just it happens to be like a tool involved but it's the same so you just go slow you just learn it you know there's a base core technique but then like just use critical thinking and you'll fucking figure it out and he says the incentive to be quick will supply itself if you ever have to draw for blood the problem in a live encounter is more often to slow yourself down than speed yourself up once gun handling has been successfully programmed. And so, um, what that's basically saying is like, don't, and, and I think other people would disagree with him, but like, don't practice going so fucking fast because, hey, I'm in a self-defense situation. You'll go fast. Practice. Good. But again, I'm, I'm not going to describe all these steps. You know, these are the types of things that you need to just go on your own and and. Master, deconstruct, practice a bunch, figure out the eighty-twenty, repeat five thousand times. Now you've got it. Okay. Eventually, you'll develop a very smooth and strong stroke, well within a second, and powerful enough to smash a champagne bottle with your gun barrel. Remember, draw quickly, shoot carefully. Now, because he likes to reiterate everything, uh, he's going to hammer sight picture one more time. So, remember, sight picture is, um, you know, you see your front sight and your back sight and they're overlaid on the target okay that's your sight picture sight alignment is like are they cattywampus are they fucked up and so when you're shooting like just by definition they just need to be aligned but the sight picture is the the view of that when you see the sight you know front sight back sight and okay and then overlaid on the target okay um and he is a pioneer of this flash sight picture he's named it in german Blitzblick, which means like fast look, Um, the sight picture is what one sees when he looks at his sights as they are aligned on target and it's the flash sight picture when he picks it up instantly. So we use the sights even at maximum speed. When a student moves from the range into tactical exercises, there's always a strong tendency to lose his concentration on his flash sight picture. This is natural because his attention is strongly preempted by the need for target location and identification. So he's saying it's hard you'll feel like you don't want to do it it's it's crazy but he's saying it's better you know to to look at your front sight now this isn't almost this is this is offensive okay this is an offensive that i bring this example up but here we go so i'm still addicted to this this vr first person shooter called contractors it's insane the shooting mechanics are like 94% the same as regular guns plus You're in VR, so it's actually like the game is just being good at shooting guns, which is so fucking cool. But, you know, whatever. Morality aside, there's a mode called Pistols Only. And when he's talking about it's exactly right. I mean, the tendency is to outrun your gun, to pull the trigger so fucking fast, which leads to, just like in real life, your shot's going up and up and up and you miss um plus it's like it's so scary because you're you're just beat bopping along humming jason derulo and then pow someone pops around the corner and is blasting at you plus the way that the game is set up you can hear someone's mic so like you're you're surprised you're startled and then you hear someone just saying shit like your mom is mine die motherfucker your mom is mine and like the first 30 times i played i agree I felt a strong tendency to lose my concentration on the front sight. But if I'm able to slow myself down, the accuracy of picking up the front sight, it's like 60% better. So eventually you get in a situation where the other person's blasting at you, but then you're just looking at your front sight and you go bomb, 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 and then you actually are better. Um, So look at the front sight, he says. And he, he, he rolls into saying like, shoot with both both eyes open. Now, um, I most of the time try to shoot with both eyes open, but it it took me a lot, and it it's a total mind fuck, okay? Because if you, have, you close one eye, it's clear. You see the target, and you see the front sight. Okay, so you can like look at the target, you can look at your front sight. There's like two problems to deal with, okay? That's fine. Now, the problem is you don't have peripheral vision and it's not as fast and there's some thought process that in like a self-defense situation you might not be able to close like you might not have the presence of mind to close one eye so like you're all of a sudden even though you've practiced thousands and thousands of hours closing one eye in when you actually see the elephant both your eyes are gonna be open so all that practice doesn't matter and you're gonna you're gonna fucking lose i don't know if that's true i have closed one eye shooting a deer before and i've been freaking the fuck out so i don't know but Um, if you have both eyes open, it's just a more flexible system, but the, the mental cost of training your mind to do that. Like the first time I did it, I got like, I I was just getting used to it. Um, like in my basement. Okay. Like looking at this target. Oh, I think I got it. And I went out in the range and then dude, it was like, I was like, there's a thousand universes around me. And then I tried to like move and it was just, it was like there was there was ten of every target, so I think you're I think Colonel Cooper's right. If you practice a bunch shooting with both eyes open, like your brain ends up just ignoring the whole. Even though your eye is open, your brain just stops seeing the other side. But it would it would still see it if like a like a baseball came at your head, so you still have your peripheral vision. But um, it's fucking hard as shit. So like and it like it's hard as shit, and you have to practice consistently for like a year. So if you're just going to shoot like five or six times a year, close one eye, in my humble opinion. But again, I'm a baboon. He's a man. Fuck. So fuck. That's, uh, that's insane. So we started this shit. We talked about combat mindset. We talked about, you know, Colonel Cooper's philosophy. And then he moved into solid ass explanations on the pistol. You know why it is really actually per unit not as good but on the aggregate because probability just says you'll have it with you it is really good you move into some of the considerations about it how to use the site the draw or he calls it the firing stroke from the time you realize oh god i need to use this to you're using it you need to practice that um and just a lot of other helpful thoughts and so we're going to close out this episode. We've got one more. In the next episode, we're going to break down the rifle. We're going to talk about the spice of life, which is actually fear of death. And then we're going to just have some insanity sprinkled in there. But if you want that, if you want to close this shit out and become, dare I say, a kusei you're going to have to tune in next time on the next episode of the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that, my pretties, is another episode down of the Curiously Disagreeable podcast. Check us out at CuriouslyDisagreeable.com, the Troy Hollings on Instagram, or wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. The end.